2: It's Thanksgiving time here in America, and even though retailers leap straight from Halloween to Christmas, I love this holiday. Thanksgiving gives us a chance to pause and count our blessings, something that goes back to the first American Thanksgiving, celebrated in October of 1621. The new residents of Plymouth Plantation had a lot to be grateful for. They arrived at Cape Cod 11 months before woefully unprepared. As historian Nathaniel Philbrook said, by all rights... None of the pilgrims should have emerged from this first winter alive. The pilgrims were hoping for a climate like the French Riviera. (laughs) But no, even for the cooler climb, that particular winter was brutal. In fact, half of them didn't live to see another. They knew plenty about farming, hunting, and fishing. That is, if they still lived in England. But the crops they brought weren't suited for the new soil. Their nets and hooks were the wrong size for local fish. And while birds filled the Massachusetts skies in the summer, they flew south for the winter. The Mayflower was supposed to be packed with fish and furs when it returned to England, but instead, it sailed home empty. Unprepared for another winter like that, the Pilgrims would have been wiped out. But that's not what happened. Wampanoag Indians took an interest in the foreigners and lent a hand. They taught the pilgrims how to fish and what would grow. The gift was a godsend. By autumn, the pilgrims were more than surviving. They were flourishing. They did the most reasonable thing imaginable. They threw a huge party and invited their new neighbors to share in the bounty. And a quick aside for all Food Network fans out there, turkey probably wasn't on the menu. University of Washington professor Robert Tracy McKenzie says that birds were probably on the table, but wild turkeys were just too tough to shoot. Instead, they probably had duck, geese, deer, fish, clams, corn, carrots, parsnips and cabbage. Oh, and eels. Mmm. Expressing gratitude was important to the pilgrims, and it ought to be important to us, too. Researchers at my alma mater, Baylor University, found that materialism and a corresponding lack of gratitude was, their words here, negatively associated with well-being. Now, most of us know this intuitively. Grateful people are happy people. But science is finally catching up with personal experience on this point. For the last several years, researchers have come to the conclusion that gratitude is a key component to help people live happier, longer lives. We can lump these and other benefits under the title, The Gratitude Advantage. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt, and this is Lead to Win, my weekly podcast designed to help you win at work, succeed at life, and lead with confidence. And in this episode, we're going to explore the gratitude advantage. And I'm here with my co-host, COO and eldest daughter, Megan Hyatt-Miller. Thanks for joining me, Megan.
3: Hey, Dad. It's good to be here with you today. Do you like Thanksgiving? I do like Thanksgiving. I like it especially because it's not overly commercialized. You know, Joel and I, my husband, were at Target last weekend, uh, not long after Halloween, and they had already switched over to the Christmas candy.
2: Yeah, it makes you a little crazy when you see uh, see that happening. I've got mailings already about Christmas promotions, and as we're recording this, this is just like the week after Halloween. Come on, people. <laughs> it's exactly. too much.
3: So you mentioned today that our topic is the gratitude advantage, and you've outlined four gains that we can expect to experience when we practice gratitude intentionally. You want to share the first one with us?
2: I do. Gain number one, gratitude improves your health. In fact, it has a direct impact on your health. As reported by Ken and Sheldon, Todd Cashton, And Michael Steger in Designing Positive Psychology, grateful people visit their doctors less often and live longer than others. Did you know that?
3: I didn't know that. That is fascinating. It's pretty
2: interesting. They go on to say that thankfulness helps us sleep better, I'm all for that, control our blood pressure, and generally reduce physical complaints.
3: That's pretty compelling. It is. On that point about a longer life, when a reporter asked 107-year-old Lona Collins what she does to stay young, she said to stay grateful don't go crabbing.
2: (laughs) I love that advice. I mean, I guess it shouldn't be a surprise to us that there's this mind-body connection. Right. That how our mindset is, is going to have an impact on not only how we feel, but probably just our overall health. No doubt. Yeah. So gratitude also reduces uh, stress. According to researchers Robert Emmons and Anjali Mishra, after looking at several different studies, quote, The evidence strongly supports the supposition that gratitude promotes adaptive coping and personal growth. I think just to summarize, what that means is for people that are not so adaptive, like you and me, (laughs) who uh, I think adaptive is like number 34 on the StrengthFinder's scale of 1%. to thirty four for both of us. Is it's that right? true?
3: Yeah, my kids could attest to the reality of this in my life.
2: <laughs> yeah. So people like us probably need a double dose of gratitude in order to remain flexible and not stressed. But they went on to explain that thankfulness get this redirects our attention from our difficulties to the benefits we enjoy. This literally just happened to me this morning because I yep. got up this morning, looked at my schedule, jam packed all day till tonight. Got some personal things tonight too. And um, gosh, I just like started to kind of complain a little bit, you know, internally. And I thought, nope, we're talking about gratitude today and I got to be grateful. And as I was grateful, I noticed that a shift began to happen. Not all at once. In fact, it felt a little bit artificial at first, but the more I forced myself to kind of stay in gratitude, I felt my body relax and I I literally started feeling a little bit joyful.
3: That makes sense because we all perform better when we're approaching life from a perspective of abundance rather than scarcity.
2: Yeah, it does something to your mindset, to your approach, to To your physiology.
3: Right? Your physiology. Yes. That's what you were talking about earlier that you experienced this morning. Yep. Okay, before we go any further into these gains of gratitude, let's talk about how to practice gratitude. What practices do you use to put yourself in a posture of gratitude on a regular basis?
2: Well, I'll tell you my favorite thing to do to get myself in a posture of gratitude is journaling. And I literally force myself every day to write down as part of my journaling practice what I'm thankful for. And some days it's tough. Mm-hmm. You know, I really have to think. What am I thankful for? Some days it comes easily, you know, but I force myself to come up with three things every day. I don't know what it is about three, but it's more than what's on the top of my head. I have to dig a little bit, but it's it's very helpful. And it's funny how that that kind of um, practice bleeds over into other areas of my life.
3: I love that one of the things that we do at our house is something called the gratitude report and we've been doing this versions of this since our kids were really young we sit around the table every night or almost every night for dinner and we go around and we share what our best thing of the day was so kind of like a win and then something that we're grateful for and it's funny because inevitably there will be somebody at the table who had a hard day and they just don't want to share anything you know, know. you're kind of coaxing it out of them but what's amazing to me is that when we're done with dinner and everyone is sharing because it's not optional. You know, you have to come up with something. And part of the reason that we include the gratitude part is because even if you don't feel like you've had wins in a day, there's always something to be grateful for. But regardless, when we're done with that exercise, everybody feels so much more positive, so much more grateful, so much more connected to one another than they ever would if we just chit chatted through dinner.
2: Well, and the great value of this is that it will turn your kids into grateful little kids. Right. And I mean, the reason you're doing that, I don't wanna take credit for this, but we did this in our home. We did. Yeah, with you guys growing up. Yep. Okay, so if practicing gratitude is especially tough for you, um, you might wanna draw from the Frank Capra classic, It's a Wonderful Life, and use the George Bailey technique. (laughs) What do I mean by that? In the film, a guardian angel shows George what the world would be like had he never been born. Mom and I just watched this as a theater production just recently, and and this really stuck stuck out to us. But it shows us how much easier it is to notice our blessings when we imagine their absence. So take a moment to imagine what life would be like without your spouse, without your job, without your home. Any blessing, it's tough to be thankful for.
3: That's a great exercise. Now, to set us up for our next gain, I'd like you to hear from our friend, Best-selling author, John Gordon. Listen to what he has to say about one of the greatest benefits of gratitude.
4: I love talking about the power of gratitude because the research shows you can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. If you're feeling blessed, you won't be stressed. One of the ways I love to experience the power of gratitude is with a thank you walk. While you're walking, you just say what you're thankful for. And when you do that, you're flooding your brain and body with these positive emotions that uplift you rather than the stress hormones that slowly drain and kill you. So just by doing this simple act, you're not allowing the fear, the negativity, and all that negative stuff to wreak havoc on your body, your mind, and your soul. You're fueling your mind, your body, and your heart, your soul with these great emotions, great energy that allows you to feel great. And when you're doing this thank you walk or you're taking a thank you drive or you're just practicing gratitude, you can focus on the little things and the big things. It's those little things and big things that we can be thankful for in any moment. And those big things could be you're thankful for your health, you're thankful for your family, the great things in your life. Those little things could be that you're walking on pavement, that you can actually walk. You're thankful for that you actually have uh, hands to move, a mouth to speak, eyes to see. I mean, it's the littlest things. I'll never forget speaking to a school. When I was done, the guy came up to me. He was a teacher there. And he said, you know, John, I was paralyzed in this accident and I was able to move my big toe. After a couple years of this accident, I was able to move this big toe. And I was so grateful for that. In that moment, I realized how we can be grateful for the littlest things, and how to some people, it's a big thing. It may be little to us, but it's a big thing to them. So when we talk about gratitude, nothing is too big or too small to practice that power to experience that power. Now, a key part of gratitude also, is to know that it produces happiness. Happiness is a byproduct of feeling grateful. It's a byproduct of living with purpose, of living with passion. It doesn't happen on its own. A lot of people are seeking happiness. No, you will never find happiness by seeking happiness. You will find it by being grateful, by being purposeful, and living a life of love, passion, and joy. Happiness comes from that. So be grateful, and you have more things to be grateful about.
2: Okay, so that's gain number one, gratitude improves your health. Gain number two, gratitude extends your happiness. In other words, gratitude makes us more pleasant to be around. I mean, just think about it this way. What's the opposite of gratitude? Complaining, cynicism, even arrogance. Hmm. Do you like hanging out with people like that? Nope. Nope. (laughs) Me neither. In fact, I avoid those people like the plague.
3: Totally agree. You know, gratitude also allows us to put difficult experiences in context.
2: So in other words, uh, reframing.
3: No. (laughs) Uh, What? Okay, this is a little soapbox moment. Okay. But I personally hate the idea of reframing. Authenticity and integrity are really important to me and it's important to me to tell the truth about things that are difficult. And so reframing sort of feels like trying to wrap up uh, something that was really and wrapping paper and say that it's, you know. <laughs> wasn't so bad. Wasn't so bad. Um, but I do think when you practice gratitude, then those negative experiences are put in context with other areas where you've seen God's provision in your life. You've seen things work out. Um, you've seen just abundance in play kind of across the board. And so they're sort of a, in relationship to one another thing that happens that you can understand that that, um, you know, scarcity is not the final word, I guess.
2: Okay, I don't disagree with anything you said, but I have to make an argument for reframing because I like that word <laughs> and I've used it in other contexts. Here, here's what I think you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think you object to reframing. Yeah. You object to doing it too soon.
3: Yes, words, or when you're just dishonest about the, yeah. that the bad thing is really bad.
2: Right. Like... You know, we've had all these mass shootings. There's no way to reframe that and put right. a bow on it. It's right. just a really, really bad thing.
3: Or natural disasters or anything.
2: Yeah, so there's some things probably you can't reframe. You know, there may be some things that even in the midst of that that you can be grateful for. You know, I I wouldn't presume to to know what's that that's like to be involved in a situation like that. Right. But I don't I don't think we're so far apart on reframing.
3: I think I'll give that to you. Okay, good. Um, So, one of your favorite ways to reframe or to put uh, difficult things into context, as I might say, is by asking a certain question. What's that?
2: Yeah, the question is what does it make possible? Now, this is also a question you can't ask too soon.
3: It's almost like it has to come with a warning label. (laughs) Yeah,
2: that's right. I mean, it's almost like the person asking that question should have to count to 15 or wait two days after a bad thing before they they ask it. But if you can eventually get to this question, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. So um, years ago, I was on my way to work and had a cup of coffee in my right hand and my briefcase in my left hand and was going down two flights of stairs in our townhome at the time where we were living while we renovated the house we live in now. And I tripped. And I I fell down to the bottom of the stairs, the first flight- And the coffee was all over me. I was already late and I was really frustrated. Well, as I got up, I realized something was bad, wrong. In fact, it turned out I broke my ankle and it ended up having to have surgery and six screws put in my ankle.
3: You really just shattered your ankle. I mean, you didn't just break it. It was in pieces. And
2: by the way, those screws in the plate are still there to this day. (laughs) And I run on it, which is amazing. But here's what happened. After a few days, I couldn't ask this question at first, but after a few days, I asked myself the question, what does this make possible? Well as it turned out it made a ton possible. I got some much needed rest, for example, I got kind of an extended period of time with Mom just to hang with her. This was a really busy season of my life, and I couldn't do anything different from that. That's when I started blogging. This was about back in two thousand and four wow. and I had the time because there I was laid up at home, and you know once I got through email and everything I, there were no meetings to attend. Mm-hmm. I decided I'm gonna start this blog, and you know that changed everything in my life. Plus, one of the really cool things, I'll tell you what it made possible. I got to get on airplanes first.
3: (laughs) Well, we don't like waiting very much, so that's a big benefit. (laughs) That was kind of a cool thing.
2: Yeah. So I got to get seated before the madness began.
3: That's fantastic. So besides that example, have you ever had a situation where gratitude has snapped you out of a bad mood or a negative emotional cycle?
2: Totally. Well, I mean, I just, I shared earlier about the one this morning but it probably happens one or two times a day because we talked about the practice of journaling in the morning. But the other thing that mom and I do at the end of the day is to lay in bed holding hands together and talk about our three wins and what we're grateful for about mm-hmm. the day. And it kind of does the same thing. It's like the beginning of the day is great because it sets you up, mm-hmm. but then the end of the day is great because it helps you kind of, no pun intended, but put those things to bed. Right. You know, so that you can go to sleep without these sort of open loops in your mind. Mm -hmm. You can give thanks for what happened and you know that tomorrow's a better
3: day. Haven't you found too that intentionally practicing gratitude is kind of like the antidote to anxiety?
2: Yes, totally.
3: Uh, on the one hand, it's the antidote to negativity or just a sense of scarcity. But I don't know about you, but with my experience, anxiety is a real struggle. Sometimes um, the uncertainty of life—what's going to happen? What if this happens? You know, I'm so futuristic that I run through all the possibilities in my mind. We're in the middle of selling one house and buying another one right now, and there are so many open loops, as you just said, that it's enough to almost you know drive me crazy. Um, but one of the things that I have gone back to over and over again is just realizing that everything like. This that I've ever been, you know, in a situation with has worked out. Yes, God always provides. The right resources always show up when I need them. You know, because in my mind, I'm like, "What if we sell our house? But we can't find something that we really love where we live." You know, all that kind of stuff, all those looping thoughts that can happen. But gratitude reminds me how often, which like always, that that things just work out.
2: Yeah, I I kind of feel like I have to apologize to you for giving you those jeans because. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the worry I, genes.
2: Yeah, I do that the same way. And I, I don't even know if it's a worry. In fact, I was I was talking uh, to mom about this the other day, and I thought, you know, it's not really worry. It's not really that I uh, catastrophize, which I- I, w-
3: I do that. I'm going to be honest.
2: Yeah. I used to do that. Yeah. But instead, it's a little bit of a nuanced difference, but I go through a lot of if-then sort of scenarios, mm-hmm. you know, where I'm thinking, kind of like you were saying, well, like, what if the house doesn't happen? That's not exactly catastrophizing. Right. But it's just- I want to play out all the scenarios that I'm prepared. The problem is that when you're doing that, when you're trying to sleep, you won't be able to sleep. So for those of you that struggle with insomnia, I'm not saying this is the only thing you need to do, but this can help. It sure helped me, is to be grateful before you try to go to sleep. Because again, it just, it ends the day on the right note.
4: Mm -hmm. And
2: it keeps me from worrying about those things that I don't have yet by focusing on the things I've already been given.
4: Mm
3: -hmm. And you know, the truth is at the root of that anxiety is a sense of self-reliance. You know, we think it's all dependent on us, and so that's why we run all those scenarios. But that's not actually true.
2: It's not. And in fact, gratitude relieves us of this sense of self-reliance. So, in church tradition, and in many church traditions today, the Eucharist has has been the focal point of Christian worship, mm-hmm. and so we typically think of that as communion. But it's really about Gratitude. In fact, it comes from a Greek word, which means to give thanks. Hmm. That's the essence of the word. So one of the things that makes us human, I would contend, is that we have this ability to stop, reflect, and give thanks. It's one of the things that separates us from every other created thing. And as far as I know, humans alone have the capacity to realize that we enter the world with nothing and we leave with nothing, Hmm. So, just to put my own spin on that famous Descartes quote, you know, the one that says, uh, "I think, therefore I am." I really think it's "I thank, therefore I am."
3: It's so important to remember that it doesn't depend on us entirely, and that we can just relax in that. You know, we don't have to run the scenarios. We don't have to have all the what if things totally. figured out um because God's at work in our life, regardless of what we do, yep,
2: and gratitude by definition acknowledges think about this. Provision from outside ourselves. Yes, you know, people say even secularists will say, "Well, I'm I'm grateful that that happened." Well, grateful to whom? Right. You know, and it makes me a little bit crazy when people sort of are grateful to the impersonal universe or to just nothing in general.
3: I totally agree.
2: It sort of assumes that if you're grateful, there's someone to whom you're
3: grateful. It's actually an act of humility, gratitude. Yes. Practicing gratitude is a recognition of our humanity and just kind of like as our, our friend uh, Reverend Kenny Bench says, our creatureliness. Yes. You know, the fact that we're not the creator, we're not uh, responsible for all the provision in our life. And it's an act of humility to recognize that the provision that we experience comes from outside of ourselves. Amen, sister. Preach it.
2: So, gain number two is gratitude extends your happiness. And gain number three is that gratitude, listen to this, can advance your career. Now, that mm. sounds counterintuitive, right? But gratitude actually can drive performance.
3: Absolutely. Think about it this way How does it impact company culture when a leader fails to recognize performance?
2: Yeah. So, let me tell you a story. So, years ago, back when I was in the book publishing business, one of our biggest authors for whom we worked doubly hard. I mean, there were so many things that we, we did for this author that he was completely unaware of. And we were happy to do it because we loved him, we loved his message and all that. But we went down for a quarterly review meeting to talk about and just kind of review the activity for the last quarter, what we had done, what the performance was and all that. Well, he sat there as we were talking about all the amazing things that our team had done. And by the way, my team was there, Right. And I'm talking about all these amazing things that we had done, and and we were, you know, kind of bragging a little bit because we were excited about what we'd accomplished on his behalf. He sat there with his arms crossed, as did his agent, mm. kind of looking at us, poker faced, no expression on his face whatsoever. Didn't smile, didn't express gratitude, anything. And so we're kind of all starting to look at each other, like, what is wrong here? And we went around the room. Everybody's just, you know, presenting their part of the, the the project, part of what they had done, nothing. So we all finished. Wow. He didn't give us anything. And at the end of it, he launched into this diatribe about how we had not done enough. Really? Yes. He was totally focusing on what was not just missing, but what was wrong. Ugh. Well, it was like you stuck a pin in my team and watched us all deflate. I bet. So discouraging.
3: And you're as a leader in that situation, real time, real time, trying to do damage control, but you can't really do it. You know, you couldn't have prepared them or anything. Well, you're I, just watching it burn to the ground.
2: I did, and I'm thinking to myself: these are the people that you need to succeed, and you're completely demotivating them. Mm. You know, how likely is it that they're going to want to go back home and work on your project when, in fact, they do have a choice? You know, they don't have to give their shower time or their walk time or any other time to creatively thinking about how to solve your problems and get more distribution on your books. Mm -hmm. They'll think about somebody else that's more grateful.
3: That's right.
2: And in fact, in the car going back to the airport after this event happened, I was doing major damage control Mm -hmm. because everybody was so discouraged. I mean, they just literally wanted to quit. But that's what I'm talking about. Gratitude drives performance. Mm -hmm. And the converse is also true. Ingratitude, a lack of gratitude also impedes performance. And that's exactly what I experienced that day with my team.
3: That is a powerful story. Oh, man, cautionary tale. On a more positive note, gratitude also increases profitability. Love that. Me too. As reported by the Wall Street Journal, about half of HR managers say that workplace gratitude improves profitability. The number is probably a lot higher though, don't you think?
2: Yeah. So there's this uh, quote from Jeremy Adam Smith of UC Berkeley. He says, we don't just work for money. We also work for respect. For a sense of accomplishment, for a feeling of purpose. Hmm. In fact, when you when you look at compensation studies, money's not even at the top of the list. You know, I mean, there's got to be a basic amount of compensation for people to to meet their needs,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but people are looking for more than that. The money's kind of like you know just sort of the foundation, right? But there's got to be all these other things too, like a sense of accomplishment and a sense of of respect.
3: I totally agree. So, have you ever had a leader express gratitude to you in a way that made a lasting impression?
2: Yes. So years ago, this is another author story, and it's a good story, and I'll even name names here because it was so moving to me. But uh, years ago, for his 60th birthday, John Maxwell invited some people that professionally were involved with him. I was his publisher at the time. There were a number of other people, a couple of people that worked with him. And uh, we flew to Ireland and played golf. Now, John didn't pay our way, but... He picked up a lot of the expenses once we got there. But what was the most amazing thing that that he experienced, where I experienced gratitude in a way that really motivated me, was one night after dinner, we'd had a long day of golf, and we were sitting around this table, and John just decided he was going to go around the table. There were, I think, uh, eight of us there. Hmm. And he went around the table, and he expressed to each of us what he was grateful for and what we had meant in his life. Wow. And John's just got the, one of the biggest hearts ever. And he wasn't into it about 30 seconds. And each person, he's crying. You know, <laughs> oh, wow. he's talking about how much they meant to him. And I mean, it was really heartfelt and it was deeply moving. And before long, we're all crying. And I mean, that bonded me to John in a way that you can't imagine mm-hmm. because I felt appreciated. Right. Now, John wasn't doing that to manipulate me. But when I went back to the office, I guarantee you, he was an author mm-hmm. that I'm thinking about. How can I make him more successful? How can I help my friend John? Because he's already expressed how much I mean to him. Right. And it, and it really did have an impact on my behavior.
3: That's a great story. You know, I've experienced that with him in other meetings that you and I've been in together where he's recognized someone on his staff, introduced somebody to us or just gone around the room and introduced people or whatever it may be, and he probably better than almost anybody I know has a way of uh bragging on his team yep. in a way that builds them up in public in front of others. And I think that's a key takeaway from that story that you told. It's not just that he pulled you aside and said that to you. He did it in front of other people, which as leaders is a great thing that we can use in our own leadership to recognize our teams in front of others rather than just kind of quietly.
2: Yeah. I mean, just a sidebar on that. I think too often unaware leaders will criticize people in public Mm -hmm. and then they'll thank them in private and think, well, I'm, I'm giving them enough you know, appreciation. Right. No, you should always do the exact opposite of that. Never, ever, 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 ever criticize in public. Yep. But appreciate in public. Same thing with email, by the way.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, don't embarrass people with email by all the people you're copying. You know, email is appropriate if you're trying to just uh, communicate direct information. Sure. Or transactional. especially, yeah, transactional. If you want to appreciate them and brag on them, email is great for that. But if you got something that needs to be more corrective in nature. Email's not the place for it. Yeah. A public venue is not the place for that. Do that in private.
3: That's a good word. You know, the weird thing is that gratitude is often underutilized at work. I don't know why, but we just kind of forget that this is such an amazing tool yeah. uh, in leadership. A study by the John Templeton Foundation found that work is the last place we experience any sort of gratitude. The study found that even though most of us know that we should express thanks, only about one in 10 of us actually does so on any given day. In fact, about a third of us are afraid to do so.
2: This is a big problem.
3: Why do you think that is? Afraid?
2: I don't know. I, th- I think because they think that if they're grateful or if they express appreciation that people become complacent it's it's kind of a faulty logic
5: mm-hmm. but
2: the idea that if i appreciate you you won't work so hard it's kind of like the parent that withholds praise from their children right because they want the children to perform and keep you know trying to impress the parent by doing the right thing mm-hmm. it actually has the opposite effect
3: right I wonder, too, if it's a little bit of uh, fear of vulnerability, that gratitude is kind of a vulnerable thing to express. It's a soft emotion, and there's still that kind of holdover that soft emotions don't belong at work.
2: Right. It's kind of that uh, old school idea that you know if you're going to be a good manager, you got to be tough. You know, never show your emotions, (laughs) never tell people you're grateful, never be open, keep them guessing, you know, all that, which is completely backwards. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. But we spend more time at work than anywhere else. So if we're not experiencing gratitude there, that is really a problem.
2: Right. And and one of the things that's important too when you do this is to be really detailed. The more mm-hmm. detailed you can be, the more authentic it is. So you know, for the leader that just walks around the office and says, "Hey, great job," you know, <laughs> or uh, "Thanks for all you do for the company," you know, that doesn't really cut it. It feels insincere. And it feels like maybe you're trying to manipulate people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, when you express appreciation, the more detailed you can be, the better. Smith, whom I quoted a few minutes ago, said, when you are specific about the benefits of a person, action, or thing, it increases your own appreciation, and it tells a person that you're paying attention Mm -hmm. rather than just going through the motions. Now, this is important, Meg. Because people want to be seen. Yes. Right? They want to be acknowledged. They want to know Mm -hmm. that their work matters. But if their supervisor never notices, Mm -hmm. never really sees them in a way that they feel seen, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: then it really doesn't matter.
3: That's a big idea because so often you can be too general about it um, and you miss the opportunity to make a big impact on the people that you lead. And by the way, this isn't just about leading down. This can be leading up too. You can show appreciation to your boss uh, or your supervisor just as much as you can show appreciation to people laterally or to people who report to you.
2: Well, and you know who's great at that? Hmm. You. Oh, yeah, Thanks. and I mean, that that very much motivates me mm-hmm. when you're grateful to me. So thank you for Well,
3: a, an important point about that is if you're a leader, very often you're the one that's expressing gratitude to others, but not that often do people express gratitude to you. So it's a great way to just build rapport with your boss yes. to remember to recognize things that they do too.
2: Yeah, because they think sometimes, and don't ask me how I know this, <laughs> that, uh, that what they do is not noticed or not appreciated. Right.
3: It's kind of like being a parent in a way. Exactly.
2: The thing is, gratitude requires intention. For example, I have a lot more thankful thoughts than I actually express, but unexpressed intentions are pretty useless. So we've got to be on the hunt for opportunities, and this is the key thing, to express gratitude. The thoughts don't count. You don't get credit (laughs) unless you express it.
3: That's right. You're not responsible uh, for what you mean. You're responsible for what you communicate. Yes. It's an important idea. So one of my favorite stories about this came out of uh, my son Moses' experience last year at school. So he was in a new school, and one of the things that they focus on is building confidence, which I love, and they're very strengths-based in their approach. And so they have something called caught in the act, which as a parent, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, gosh, what does that
2: mean? (laughs) (laughs) Like a negative thing.
3: Right, like I'm going to be getting phone calls home from school. But what they do is that they charge – all the teachers uh, in the elementary school with noticing when kids do great things. So just, it could be anything like helping another student, opening a door, uh, being proactive and turning something in, whatever it may be, but other teachers, so not the primary teacher of your child, notice great things that your child is doing and report that to their teacher. And it's called caught in the act. And so they get so many caught in the acts and they get some kind of a reward, but it just makes them feel like instead of people being on the hunt for what they're doing wrong, that people are always looking for what they're doing that's right. And man, that just makes kids excited to go to school.
2: Well, and just imagine if that were applied in the workplace. Yes. You know, I was thinking the other day that um, when we succeed at something, success itself should serve as a kind of activation trigger. And you know from our work with Your Best Year Ever, my online goals course, that that this whole idea of activation triggers is something that kind of sets up something else you almost
3: know, like automates
2: it, right? Yeah, almost, almost like automates it or prompts another kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. So whenever we experience success, look for the people who made the contributions and seek to acknowledge them. Mm-hmm. So just use that as an activation uh, trigger to thank your team, your fans, your friends, your family, your colleagues, whatever anyone who played a role in it. But this is this could be a kind of a cool practice. Uh, to use at work.
3: I love that idea. Are there any other activation triggers that we can use to stay consistent in this? Because it's easy to sort of let it fall off your radar.
2: Yeah, it is. It is, And or to think, um, I thought about that, therefore I did it. But again, you don't get credit unless you express it. Mm -hmm. So one idea would be to set up a weekly reminder to express appreciation to one or more of your teammates. Great. They don't have to know about it. You can make it look natural, but just do it as a matter of Mm -hmm. uh, routine. Or ask your assistant to prompt you once a month to send thank you notes or send thank you emails. I just recently had somebody on our team run a list of our top 100 customers. Mm. Oh my gosh. It's unbelievable for how much revenue they're responsible for. Right. And so one of the things I did with my assistant is said, look, I want to send these people a thank you note Mm -hmm. on a regular basis so that they don't feel like I'm just taking it for granted because I'm not. I'm very grateful.
3: I love that idea. So my former coach and friend, Mary Miller from Strategic Coach, she has a practice that I love. She told us about it one day um, in a workshop that she was leading where she keeps a stack of note cards on her desk uh, and she regularly just all those little things that she notices, like you were just mentioning, she writes notes to her team and sends them home. There's no uh, rhyme or reason that I'm aware of to that. It's not like she's working through a list. She just notices stuff and writes a short note and sends it to their home. And I love that. That really inspired me.
2: Well, i bet, and I haven't tried this, but I'll bet that that's one of those things that the more you do it, the better you get at it.
3: Yes. And
2: the less effort it takes to do it.
3: Yes. Now I'd like you to hear directly from Mary about why she prioritized this practice and the results that it produced.
5: A few years ago, one of our team members recommended that we go beyond the weekly sharing of one thing positive each week. And I was frequently reminding the team to encourage our employees. We've grown to almost 600 employees over the past number of years that the number one thing that all people need is appreciation and recognition. That's just a humanity thing. And one of our team members had this great idea that we actually send thank you notes. So we had some special note cards set up and made up that they have access to at any time, to write a note, put the name on the front, and then my assistant would take care of getting the address and mailing it. So it wasn't just given to them, but received at their home, so that their family also saw that other people that they, their spouse or father or mother, whoever was at work at JANCOA, was being appreciated by their fellow coworkers. And we could see the confidence grow, and we can see actually the people becoming more engaged with each other in their teams because when people are recognized it's like wait a minute you see me you see how what i'm doing and you appreciate it it helps them gives them permission to become engaged and it reduces that fear level and when confidence grows and energy grows amazing things happen we have been really fortunate as we still have these note cards available for people to fill out but now at the weekly meeting with the area managers and monthly celebration they're not just sharing positives that's going on with their life, but they're sharing what somebody else on the team has done to make their life easier. And that has just been huge as we're seeing it's happening more and more throughout the team. And it, it attracts great other people that want to be part of the team and attracts different types of business company that want to do business with you too because of the type of culture that you create. You see, I really believe that the, the dream manager and gratitude starts as a program, but it becomes embedded as a culture of appreciation and gratitude that people really care about each other. And companies with that caring culture change the world.
2: Gay number four, gratitude helps you accomplish your goals. How? Well, because gratitude enhances motivation. So in one study, going back to these researchers, Robert Emmons and Ann Jolly Mishra, they set out to debunk this prevailing but unproven idea that gratitude can leave people feeling complacent. We talked about this a moment ago, but I want to drill into it a little bit more. The myth says, if I've got enough, then maybe I don't need to achieve more. Hmm. Well, Emmons and Mishra had students list goals they hoped to reach over a two-month period. Ten weeks later, they checked back and found, get this, Meg, The grateful students were closer than others in the study to reaching their goals. So contrary to the myth, Emmons and Mishra determined that, and these are their words, gratitude enhances effortful goal striving. In other words, it makes it easier. But why? Because gratitude improves our patience. In other words, we take the easy way out because we're impatient.
3: Hmm, that makes sense because instant gratification is obviously the enemy of achievement. I mean, you can't achieve much if you're just going for the quick, the quick win.
2: That's right. And gratitude has been shown to keep us in the game. Mm-hmm. So, David DeSteno of Northwestern University led a study where participants were asked to recall an event that made them feel grateful, happy, or neutral. Well, after writing about it, they reported their mood and then made a series of financial decisions. This is where it gets interesting. Wow. If they wanted, they could take a cash reward at the end of the session or receive a larger amount by checking the mail at a later date. The grateful people were happy to wait for the bigger payout. So as DeSteno reported, the financial patience of participants increased by about 12% just by recalling an event that made them feel grateful. And then he said, imagine if you could increase people's savings by that much. Wow, that would be cool.
3: Those results are remarkable. That's a fascinating study. Gratitude also makes us feel empowered. It reminds us of all the resources that we already have. This is a huge one because, man, when you're kind of in a place of scarcity and you're focused on what you don't have, you feel like you don't have any options. And before you know it, you're hopeless, powerless, and And stuck. stuck. And stuck.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. We said that at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, and so when we're grateful, and especially when we're trying to achieve a goal that we're not quite clear how we're going to achieve, mm-hmm. we really need to feel that sense of abundance and sense of there are resources that maybe we haven't even identified yet that are going to help us get there. Yes. But um, according to researchers Francesca Gino and Bradley Stats, your brain releases dopamine when you achieve goals. We kind of knew that, right? Mm -hmm. And since dopamine improves attention, memory, and motivation, even achieving a small goal can result in a positive feedback loop that makes you more motivated to work harder going forward. This is why we need to stop and give thanks in the pursuit of a goal. We have to acknowledge the milestones along the way. That winning feeling that you get when you stop and reflect on your achievements with gratitude is the very thing that will continue to propel you forward in the achievement of the big goal.
3: Mm, that's a great point. So why is stopping to count wins and practice gratitude particularly hard for high achievers? Well,
2: not that I would know this from personal <laughs> experience, but
3: I just think we like checking stuff off.
2: You know, I this is like unconscious and involuntary, but when I check stuff off my to-do list, I'm kind of on to the next thing. I'm so future focused that I'm thinking about the next unaccomplished thing. Mm -hmm. I don't take time unless I cultivate, and I really do think this is a spiritual discipline, Mm -hmm. to take time to just stop and celebrate and give thanks. And I've learned that as I've gotten older. But it was not natural to me as I was younger.
3: Yeah. So now, how do you keep those wins or the things that you have to be grateful for in view rather than just kind of blowing past them and going on to the next thing?
2: Well, I realize there's a lot at stake. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I may be able to blow past them and keep uh, motivated about the things that I still have yet to accomplish, but I think it's important for the team to stop Mm -hmm. and for me to acknowledge them, again, to see them, to acknowledge Mm -hmm. them, to express appreciation, to them, especially if we're going to continue to be motivated and and continue to go on to achieve even bigger things.
3: Mm-hmm. So one idea for this uh, that's just kind of practical is that you can use your executive assistant or someone else on your team who maybe has a particular gift for this and ask them to plan in advance following big initiatives that you have or accomplishments that you kind of foresee in the future to plan uh, activities or recognition times of recognition or celebrations where Maybe you know that you're not going to be very good at it when you get there, but it's already on the calendar, so you can't miss it. And that way you can ensure that you stop long enough to actually celebrate.
2: Well, by the way, that's kind of an activation trigger Mm -hmm. also, right? Do, Do you think you're particularly good at this?
3: I do think I'm pretty good at this. I do too. I really like celebrating. Uh, I think probably one of the parts of um, our business that gives me the most joy is celebrating our people and creating an experience where the contribution of others is acknowledged in a Mm -hmm. meaningful and public way. Uh, So I try to be really intentional about doing that. And uh, for example, we take a trip every year right around the first of the year and our whole team plus their spouses join us for that. And not only are we casting the vision for the coming year, but really, more importantly, we're celebrating the wins of the past year because it's so easy to almost have like amnesia once you get about a month or two out from anything and you miss those things. And our team has worked so hard to accomplish the goals that we've set uh, and we want them to feel recognized and seen.
2: Well, and it would be easy for me as a business owner to just look at that as an expense and say, why do I want to pay for that? Right. How does that help me? Honestly, it helps me a ton. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, first of all, people deserve that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they deserve the acknowledgement. And the thing that I get out of it, just from a purely crass business owner standpoint, is it keeps people motivated. Right. They realize they're connected to a bigger purpose and they're connected to a team. And again, they're seen, they're acknowledged, and they're thanked.
3: Well, I really don't think that's crass. I just think it's viewing it like an investment rather than a cost. And the truth is there is a return on that investment. And that looks like people feeling connected to the mission and being motivated. So, All right. So today we've covered four gains you can experience by practicing gratitude. Number one, improved health. Number two, greater happiness. Number three, career advancement. And number four, accomplishing your goals. As you mentioned at the opening of the show, Dad, the pilgrims received extraordinary help from the Native Americans. When met with a blessing like that, gratitude is always the right response. And I'm finding that the more I pause and give thanks, the more reasons I have to be thankful.
2: Yeah, I've experienced that too.
3: Mm -hmm. Do you have any final thoughts for us?
2: Yeah, I would just say that Thanksgiving is not a season. It's really a way of life. Mm -hmm. And the more that we can cultivate it, uh, the more happy we're going to be, the more sense of well-being that we're going to have. The more we're going to motivate other everybody else, the more pleasant we're going to be to be around. So it's all good. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing negative that comes from gratitude. It's all positive. And the more we do it, the better we get at it and the more benefits we'll receive.
3: It's a really important point. As we look ahead to Christmas, it's important to remember that we can never have enough stuff to make us feel like we're living in abundance. It's really a state of mind, as you just said. Totally. As we close, I want to remind you about Leaderbox. It provides automated personal development in a box. Check it out at leaderbox.com. If you've enjoyed today's episode, you can get the show notes and a full transcript online at lead2.win. That's lead2.win.
2: Thanks again for joining us on Lead to Win. If you like the show, please tell your friends and colleagues about it. And also, please leave a review or at the very least rate the show wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: This program is copyrighted by Michael Hyatt & Company, all rights reserved. Our producer is Nick Jaworski.
2: Our writers are Joel Miller, Mandy Ravicio, and Jeremy Lott.
3: Our recording engineer is Mike Boyer.
2: Our production assistants are Mike Burns and Alicia Curry.
3: And our intern is Winston.
2: We invite you to join us for our next episode, where we'll be discussing the science of achievement and sharing four surprising research-backed tactics that you can use to achieve your goals. Until then, lead to win.